coming up. Kevin Close and John. Oh, this is the wrong script. Thank you very much. <laughs> Kevin and John have their review of Dine with an Animal Person at Lodge. <laughs> coming up next. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> This is the Diz Unplugged, episode number 674 for the week of January 28th, 2014. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Yeah, I am all thrown off now. Yeah, I, I thought I had, I thought I had <laughs> no, changed No, is this still Oscars at the Waldorf? Oh, that's weird. Um, as long as we're not meat finders, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Animal person. All right, cowboy. So I didn't even know you could do this. Uh, apparently at uh, Sanaa, uh, at uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge, you can dine with an animal, have lunch with an animal expert, kind of, I guess, along the same lines as Dine with uh, an Imagineer. Lunch with an Imagineer, correct. And uh, John and Kevin, along with our good friend Heather Weil, one of our very good friends and one of the greatest ladies I've ever met, I agree. Um, uh, had a chance to do this recently, and they are here to report on their experience. So before tell me about start, this, because I, I know to, nothing about it. Before you start, Dustin asked us to do things we had never done before. So we think Dance on the savannah? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Dance with wolves. So this worked out. So we were kind of surprised. We didn't know about it either until Heather mentioned it. So it's kind of hidden. Go ahead. So Heather's here, was here on a trip. She's uh, Heather is a vet, for those who don't know about Heather. And she was here for a, a convention. And then after her convention, <clears throat> excuse me, she stayed for a couple of extra days on vacation. And during that time, she asked us if we wanted to join her for this thing, for this dine with an animal expert. Um, she made all the arrangements, and we showed up. It was in Sanaa, in um, <clears throat> excuse me, Kidani Village at Animal Kingdom Lodge. And I got to be honest with you, we were a little worried about it. We were a little concerned. We did not have high expectations. Well, because you're jaded and cynical. We are jaded and cynical. We thought, oh, great, we're going to sit around. No, not around. we, you. <laughs> <laughs> we, as in Kevin and I. I'm no, not I'm, jaded or cynical. No, I'm saying Kevin, you know, Kevin embraces the world. Oh, sure. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that doesn't mean I want to be hugged. <laughs> so we kind of went in thinking, <clears throat> we didn't know much about this. We didn't know what to expect. We thought, oh, my God, we're going to sit there, and it's going to be, you know, this big table with 20 people, and this guy's going to, this animal expert is just going to, sort of lecture us on animals and all this stuff and we thought all right well let's go let's experience it we can talk about it and and see you know and we've voiced we our opinion of Sanaa right. so we've been to Sanaa before we had reviewed that restaurant you've been so, disappointed we have been ah. so we went and um checked in went very smoothly uh we were greeted by a young man who we could not understand a word of what he said <laughs> he kept telling me he was going to be my marchand he said well, i'm going to be your marchand and i kept saying i don't know what that is well as he was walking to our table we went back and forth with i'm going to be your marchand i don't know what that is and i think the idea of repeating it was going to explain it <laughs> it didn't work i finally stopped and i said what are you going to be he said your merchant Apparently, Sanaa is separated into different areas to represent 
a marketplace, part, a marketplace in African culture, and he was our merchant. Okay. So it wasn't nearly it wasn't interesting enough for the four minute conversation about what it was. So. So he showed us our table, and we were very surprised to find that our table was only five seats. Oh. We thought we're going to be in this room, there's going to be all these people, and we had a small table. Turns out it was just Heather, Kevin, and I who had booked the the lunch. Because no one knows about it. Exactly, pretty much. And it was the animal trader, trainer, animal Animal expert. She specifically let you know she was not a trainer. trainer. She was the animal expert. She was a handler. And her name was Jen, mm-hmm. and it was her uh, immediate supervisor had joined us. And his name was Joseph. Correct. And we have a picture of them. Uh, very nice. He, this was unusual for Joseph to join us. Um, he was relatively new to this, wanted to see what the experience was like himself, wanted to see what he could add, and also... Um, uh, sort of take notes as to what maybe kind of feedback we were giving and see if they can make the experience better. So we walked in, we greeted them. They were very, very nice. Um, and we sat down and there was actually food already on the table for us. Okay. Okay, that's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the chef came over, Chef David at uh, Sanaa, and explained to us what we would be having, asked about dietary restrictions, asked about uh, allergies, that kind of thing, explained thoroughly what we were going to be eating and what the inspiration is for Sanaa. And I had never heard this before. And uh, there are several spice routes or roots through Africa and Sanaa follows a very specific spice route from China through India and down into Africa I never heard that before so I thought that was kind of cool Uh, he went into a a long explanation of everything we were going to eat the inspiration behind everything the flavors that went into everything and how he felt these choices best represented the restaurant I've never been a huge fan of the food at Sanaa I've explained that it's not bad. It's just not to my liking. We started out with the bread service, they call it. I think we have a photo of that. It's 12 different dips, and you're just going to have to trust me that I don't remember all of them. (laughs) I'm sorry, nine different dips. And they start with the most spicy, which is up in the left-hand corner, and they work their way down to the right corner, and that's a cucumber-based, it's called a rata. And I just want to let those uh, who are listening and not watching know that uh, these pictures that we're talking about and displaying on our video, that uh, you can find them on the show notes page or links to them on the show notes page, disunplugged.com. There were several different varieties of bread that were served with these dipping sauces. And this was a great thing to get the conversation going because everybody was trying them. This is one of the best things I can think of. I think the different flavors of this were great. It allows you to try a bunch of different stuff. Just lovely. Now, and this is not the normal uh, bread service. Yes, yes, actually, that you can order that. Okay, mm-hmm. so that okay. There's usually th- uh, three sauces, but you can order all nine. You can have a choice of three, or you can order all nine. We've had this in the past. It's very good. Okay, now that you they had somebody explain this to you, do you feel differently about the food? No, I didn't feel differently about the food yet. I do now. Okay. Our next, our entree course. Let's, we'll talk a little bit about what happened, though, because we, at the time we were doing the bread service, we kind of got a chance to know um, the animal handler and her manager, and they sort of did around the table, you know, why are you here? 
How'd you hear about us? What are you expecting to get out of this? And a little bit about what they were going to do, which was she explained that I am not, she said, I'm not going to sit here and read a script to you. She was. I'd really like for you to interact with me, ask questions. We can tell you anything. <laughs> to which you want John said, "No, <laughs> exactly. I will shut down on you." And was sort of this idea of she set the tone for that. This wasn't us sitting there and listening to her. This was an interactive experience. Hmm. It did get a little dicey when they went around the table and asked what our favorite animal was, and I said it was based on how it was prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. She kind of shut down a little bit, but we thought I thought this was great. You're lucky she didn't start throwing paint yeah. on you. Exactly, <laughs> we're gone. So go ahead on with the food. I want to talk about how things went. You're messed up. You are messed up. We we got a chance to talk. We ask any questions we wanted, and it was great. We. With having a vet there, there was that component, which was very interesting that I would not have... She asked questions I wouldn't have thought of. But some of the things that I thought were interesting as to how they handle animals during our inclement weather. Mm -hmm. And if it's just going to be rain, they kind of let them ride that out outside. For hurricanes and things (coughs) of such, they have a... All animals have a barn, Mm -hmm. a place to go in. So they do have a way to put them in. The hardest ones to take care of are the giraffes. Because of the fact that they're, they're just, 80 feet tall. Right. Yeah. They're the biggest ones. Uh, we asked about the heat. One of the questions that I found fascinating was we asked them if there was an animal that they wanted on the savanna that wasn't there already. And without hesitation, they both spoke in unison and said, yes, the rhinos. Hmm. However, because of the fact that this is, first of all, another barn would have to be built, they have to come up with a compelling reason as to why the rhinos would be an addition. Don't they already have rhinos? This is at the Not Animal, oh, animal Kingdom Lodge. Animal Lodge. Okay. okay, right, and right, And right. the way they talked about this, these are, while they're symbiotic and they go back and forth, these are really two separate operations. Right. Okay. They are. They consider sort of each savanna, in the loosest terms, its own zoo. So they say, like, well, this is our animals for the savanna. There's a savanna over at Kidani. Then there's obviously uh, Animal Kingdom, the theme park. So they, that's how they treat the animals. And so those animals stay in their own little area right. all the time. Now, they, they do, but there is a sharing between the savannas. Absolutely. What they'll do, from, from my understanding, is, you know, certain animals, uh, the breeds that cross over between the different savannas, you know, if, if, if one particular individual animal is not happy or isn't getting along with the other animals, say, at, at the theme park, then they'll move them over to the hotel, um, that kind of thing. And, of course, all of the uh, nutrition and the medical facilities, all that stuff is over behind uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge. So there's a lot of sharing, but they are treated as different operations uh, teams. You know, they really are. Correct. One of the things we really liked about these particular folks who were sitting with us was they were very <coughs> non Disney. We okay. didn't get the sugar coated answers to stuff. They were very, very candid about a lot of things we talked about. Um, we asked if they gave the animal names because the young lady that was speaking with us, Jen, she has a set number, set group of animals that she deals with so she's very aware of what their situation is and how they're handled and things that are going on with them and we said do you give them names and they 
both kind of sheepishly grin and said, well, the Disney answer is no. <laughs> that these, this is, you know, we're in Africa and these are African wild animals and they're not domesticated so they wouldn't have names. But she goes, yeah, we have names. And pet, we asked her, um, not pets, but there are, you know. Do any of the animals misbehave? And they said, they both smiled again and they said, yes, we had one named Spawn. <laughs> and Spawn is no longer at Animal Kingdom Lodge or Animal Kingdom Villas. He Spawn was, went to the furnace. No, he went to a, a, a zoo in, I believe, San Diego. <laughs> oh, I, forget I, get, well, I forget what kind of stork he was. But he's the one that looks like Alfred Hitchcock walking around with his hands behind his back. I it, don't remember what the stork name was. But Spawn, had, Spawn was just not a happy camper, ever. So at this point, our dinner came out. And one of the spawn. things that we were served was... Was this dinner or lunch? Lunch. Lunch, okay. Uh, they kept referring it to as your dinner. Uh, was a butter chicken. That's on the menu at Sanaa. It's wonderful. And he ex- the chef explained to us, people think of curry and they think of yellow spicy food. And curry, according to him, is really more the name for a stew. And oh. they have different yeah. levels of spiciness, different flavor profiles. So the butter chicken is actually what they consider a curry. Very mild, very tender. And then we had a dish, a fish dish that is not on the menu. And that was a little stronger flavor of curry with a little spice to it. These were served together with uh, basmati rice in the middle. And um, the server explained to us that the traditional way of eating this was to put the rice on the, the tray and dump, <clears throat> dump both onto the tray. Um, I thought they were very good. I was very surprised. So this is both chicken and fish? On the, on the right-hand side is the chicken, and the little bit of uh, the redder one on the left is fish. I disagree. But go ahead. <laughs> so when, go he, ahead, came, when he came out and described everything, did he tell you you were getting chicken and fish? Beforehand. Before the, he didn't. He didn't introduce every single course. He did all this beforehand. And this so is all prefixed. Basically, you just get what right. they serve you. Yeah, you didn't have a choice. You didn't order. Your uh, drinks were uh, ordered. Right. You can have whatever you wanted to drink. Um, now, is that soft drinks or alcohol? Just soft drinks. Soft but they drink. offered us wine, so I guess that was in addition. Mm. Yeah. To the price of it. Um, again, I thought this was very good. This was a better meal experience than I've had in the past at Sanaa. Could have been the company. It could have been that we were having fun. It could have been that the chef chose. So apparently, when he dines with you, he does not have fun, and it's bad company. It's bad company. (laughs) And um, it could have also been that the chef highlighted the things that he thought would be the best of the restaurant. It could have been like this is really what we want to showcase. Right. Well, you would, I would imagine they would. That's probably what they would try and do. Like, here, here's my crappiest dish. You <laughs> You're just um, gonna eat what we put out. So that was very good. It was. <laughs> I agree. My opinion of Sana changed. This food was tasty and delicious. And but it, it lo- I'm sorry. It looks uh, from the picture. It looks like a small uh, a small portion. I think that's deceiving. Those are. Good size. Those, Those are, are large good size portions. Okay. Uh, and with all the bread that was served beforehand, you also are talking and eating. But is that, uh, I'm assuming that's served per person? Yes. yes okay. okay. Everybody got one of those. We actually skipped a step. There was something in between the bread service and the entree. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. You're right. We, we had, had the salads. And there is a watermelon and cucumber and fennel salad. That looks refreshing. 
it, I liked it. I don't think everybody at the table enjoyed it. I don't think John and Heather actually ate theirs. Uh, this middle one was a chickpea salad, and then there was a tomato and onion and cucumber kind of a salad. That looks good. They yeah. were all very refreshing. So that was also served. It was the bread service, then the salad <coughs> selection, and then we went on to the entree. <coughs> we started at noon, and what was very interesting was the two uh, animal people, the animal experts, they got their food and didn't eat. And we kind of felt guilty. We said, yeah. please, don't, don't not eat. And they said, no, we never eat. What happens is our meals are included in the price of this, and they package them up, and we go sit and eat later. Because they package up nicely. Dessert was served later, and they did have but dessert. But isn't, isn't that a little awkward for you that you know, you're eating and these people aren't? No, the conversation flowed very well. Um, I got to ask some questions, not only about what their knowledge base was, but about how they did this. I said, there's only three of us. And they said, they will do this as long as one person makes a reservation. Wow. The maximum is 12. Hmm. Uh, they did say that it all depends on the interaction of the guests. And they said they kind of were surprised at how well-versed we were and how knowledgeable yeah. we were about what they did. So we... Oh, they're about to find out why. Now, was it a... Um, was it same price for everybody? If somebody it's brought, 40, like, a 10-year-old? No, it's $49 for adults and $29 for kids, and you go by Disney Kids. Do you so, think Disney Kids would enjoy this? Um, no, <laughs> no, unless they were very, very interested in animals. I, I mean, there's no, it's, I think like, you might, I, I th- I'm sorry. I think uh, you, maybe uh, you, you find that maybe eight, nine, ten years old yeah. where they have an interest in this might be, might there's be no visual stimulus, more of an yeah. educational, I think for, yeah. for your, oh, no, 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 I wasn't even thinking about mine, but you know, a child that might be, I think in. if they're interested in animals and have questions, yes. Otherwise I think it would be a little boring to someone who wasn't interested in the husbandry of it all. The, the daily right. schedule and things now, like that. What is the cost uh, of this? $49 a person. $49 a person. And $29 for kids based on Disney's kids' ages. Okay. Now, one of the things that we did learn was that this is very difficult to book. Reservations doesn't seem to be able to find it. It's held <laughs> oh, wow. on Wednesday and Saturday. And if you call reservations, I'm hoping this changes. They asked for our feedback, and Heather explained that booking this was very difficult. You have to tell them it's at noon on Wednesday and Saturday. And if you ask for that reservation, this then pops up in the reservation system. But otherwise, it's not on there. If you call huh. up and say, wow. I want to book lunch with an animal expert. They can't they, find they it. can't find it. Heather went through many steps. She tried on uh, Disney Dining. Couldn't find it. She did through her My Disney Experience. Couldn't find it. She called up. They couldn't find it. Finally, she's staying concierge at um, Grand Floridian, and she went to them and said, listen, I know this exists. I've done it in the past. I can't seem to book it. It took the concierge woman an hour to finally figure out how to book this for her. Wow. So that's how she got it done. Now, interestingly enough, it was, interestingly enough, it was two days before we did it. So there was availability. Well, that's because no one can find no it. Can but find do you it. think they do and that no on purpose? No one knows purpose? about it. No, no I, think I went on Disney Parks blog. 
to make sure I had the pricing correct. In the comments underneath, or this is hard to book on the phone. It's much easier to go and book in person, but it's very difficult to book on the phone. I just, those comments had nothing to do with us. I just think it's the way it's set up. They haven't figured out that what you need to do is say, lunch with an animal expert, click here, and then here are the yeah. dates and the times so, that you can book. So while this would be, I think, you know, I think this would be interesting for, for just about anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially if you're staying at Animal Kingdom Lodge, mm-hmm. Just shooting over to Sanaa or going to the concierge at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Now, I do want to say that when John said these folks weren't Disney, what he, I, I'm just going to step back on that. These folks didn't sugarcoat things. Right. They, they obviously all do questions. work for Disney. They were right, Disney but. and they were very professional and they were very nice and couldn't have asked for better folks. But they, again, they didn't go in and say, oh, look, we. Everything is wonderful. Ma- Your elephants are magical. You know, exactly. <laughs> That's actually one of the things. Uh, with with the animal care at uh, the Animal Kingdom and the Animal Kingdom Lodge, um, they kind of understand that anytime they interact with guests, you know, obviously you're going to be following those those Disney rules of etiquette and everything. But um, it's it's less about magic and it's more about education, right? Uh, and right. that's one of the things I learned working at uh, Rafiki's Planet Watch is that you go from that magical place to a more real educational uh, environment, and, right? And that's how they approach it. One of the things that was explained I thought was fascinating was um, they get questions about the animals routines when do you put nutrition out on the savanna when do the animals go from place to place because we want to a guest want to experience that and in the beginning they were told they shouldn't share that with guests that these were magical things and you know we're not supposed to expose when these things were happening and they said that's completely turned around now we tell guests Yes, listen here, at this time we were going to put out nutrition on the savanna, so you will see animals congregate in this area. That makes sense. Um, they were also very specific in that animals are not trained in any behavior. They do have sound cues. Each animal has a sound cue that if it's their time to come into the barn, they respond to that sound cue. They called it operant conditioning, and that the animal is conditioning to respond, and the way they start that conditioning is that when they ring the cowbell that's when food is produced that that's when their feeding time will be more cowbell mm-hmm. more cowbell <laughs> or just bring your own right. <laughs> you want to you 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 see the animals up close bring your cowbell and um well, that was good to see my flabby <laughs> arm. Uh, uh. And that's how they also now, they do things like if an animal has to come back in for medical examination or treatment, they do that cue and they get it to come in. And they're sorely one disappointed. Thing, really? It was one of, the things, one of the things that I found fascinating was the fact they explained how animal husbandry has changed dramatically over the years. And not just at Animal Kingdom. They now find that this conditioning to this sound brings them in. And before, they condition them so that there are people near where they come in so that they're used to that. They used to have to sedate animals to give them um, veterinary care. They now find that with this conditioning that where they know what's going on and that there are people around, that they will come in and allow you to touch huh. them. Wow. They said they found in the beginning that the animals would get agitated when the vet arrived. Right. Oh, my God. The, you know, the vet's here. He's going to poke me and prod me and do things to me. What they figured out was what they needed to do was introduce people through the life cycle of this animal dressed as the vet so that the animal wouldn't respond to someone in a white coat coming in to give that them treatment. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it they was just part of their natural. also talking about the enrichment that they do with animals to keep them 
interested and to keep them from going crazy. And one of the things they do is they have puzzle boxes with special treats in them where they have to figure out that they have to put their tongue in a certain way to get the treat. One of the things she explained to us that I found fascinating was in the giraffe barn. One of the things they do is because giraffes are so visual, and I never thought of this before, they put they use chalk and write on the walls. And the different patterns on the walls interest the giraffes. Really? And they said what happens is the giraffe in the jungle, in the savanna, wherever giraffes live, um, everybody on the savanna looks to the giraffe for a clue. They're hypervisual because they're so tall. If there's a hyena nearby, every other animal looks to the cue of the giraffe. If the giraffe darts, they know something's up. So they said the visual stimulus to the giraffe kept them very, very occupied. And she wow. said the first time she did that, they refused to go back in the barn because that was different. They said when we change their environment, it makes a drastic difference to them. And something as simple as chalk drawings on a wall made the giraffes skittish. They said they had to start over and introduce it, in, uh, introduce it slowly. Hmm. So you think about stuff like that, and I think, well, you know, you don't think about stuff like that. I don't anyway. I did ask, I, I phrased the question in that I understand that this is a question about a different theme park, but you've both seen the information going out about animals kept in captivity. I wanted to make this question as easy for them to answer without trying to throw them under the bus with anybody else. And they both said, yes, they had seen it. I said, what do you think about animals in captivity? And I'm very pleased to tell you that they discussed what we discussed recently, that people care about what they see and get to know. Mm -hmm. um, one of the interesting things Heather brought up was that there were people who actually live in Africa who don't see these animals as special. Kind of like the way we feel about alligators. Mm -hmm. You don't see them every day, so they're really not part of your day-to-day -day life. If you take people out to meet these animals or get to know them, all of a sudden conservation becomes much more important. They said they look at these animals as ambassadors. So now children are exposed to giraffes, and children are exposed to all these animals probably for the first time ever. I also asked about orcas, and I said, I know I have to ask about this. And they said they believe that these animals are well tended to, and again, that they are ambassadors to the world. And he used the phrase, this is kind of like taking one for the team. He said no one, most people have gotten their experience with orcas from SeaWorld. Right. The reason you care so much is because you've had some sort of attachment to them. Some ex you've had some real exposure to them rather than just seeing them on a television show or in a movie. Right. Um, you've actually, you know, you can actually go and see one. I, and, I, and I agree with that. I do agree that, you know, having the ability to have an experience in person with whether it's a killer whale or an elephant or, you know, seeing a, a lion laying on the rock as you go around the, the savannah, it does have an emotional impact. There's no question. One of the things they talked about was the fact that no animal in any zoo has a natural existence. They can build a natural-looking natural savannah. But what happens is there are things that we can't see that keep animals from 
entering certain parts of yeah. the savanna. Mm-hmm. The other thing he said is no, no uh, animal in the wild is going to have a barn to sleep in during a storm or veterinary care cage side. So he said every animal's life cycle is affected but he said, but we consider them ambassadors for the rest of the animal world. They've, they're doing a service to the rest of the animal world. And I thought that was a great way of talking about it. I'm sure you've all been to the zoo or here at Animal Kingdom and seen people who look at an animal and go, wow, like that's the first time they've ever seen it up close. And, you know, sometimes I look at them and go like, really, you've never seen a monkey or a giraffe? But... They do provide a service exposing you to those animals. You show me anybody working in that field, whether it's a marine biologist or an animal expert who didn't have that experience as a child, and that is what, that is what motivated them right. to go into that field and develop a lifelong love mm-hmm. of, of these animals and, and taking care of these animals. This is why I get so frustrated when, you know, uh, misinformation goes out about uh, the trainers at SeaWorld uh, specifically and that you know uh, these people are not experienced and thrown into the water with uh, killer whales and all this other nonsense and it's just it is not accurate it just simply isn't accurate it's not an opinion it's not an opinion it's just false it's false information these are incredibly well-trained well-educated caring loving people who care for these these animals uh, in captivity? They're also very dedicated. The, Extremely I'm not dedicated. Gonna, I don't remember the exact order, but the list of accomplishments and education <coughs> and experience <coughs> that these two people told us about before they ever got to Disney is mind blowing. Yeah, heads of zoos well, and right, know. especially especially well, especially working at Disney in right. in the Animal Kingdom area of. Uh, it, the, the 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 bar is set really high for he the level of to education and professionalism. Hourly employees that work with the animals, people who feed them, actually transport from the nutrition center to the feeding. The hourly employee, those positions come up, he said, not very often, but more often than the salaried positions. He said they recently had a position and they had 400 applications for one position and he said this isn't that we had 350 that weren't qualified he said we had 400 qualified qualified applicants and he said what we had to do was we had to select the cream of the crop so you not only had to have all your animal information and education you had to be able to deal with the public right because there's at any given time you could be out and dealing with a guest so he said we are looking for the most well-rounded people so what about uh, let's kind of go back to the animals that were cooked uh for your enjoyment um so we've gotten as far as uh, I guess that was the main course, the mm-hmm. uh, right, uh, chicken and fish. Now I know you're not a rice. fish eater. He was very specific in the fact that he could change one person's entree. I believe the uh, young lady who was uh, Jen, who was our expert, I believe she was a vegetarian because I didn't. I don't think she got the chicken or the fish. So they could have switched that out for you. And then this behind me is the dessert. I'm talking about the dessert. And yeah. The dessert that we were served, I can't find it on the Sanaa menu. At the far end, there was a mango cheesecake with a berry compote, which was surprisingly good. It's about as big around as a 50-cent piece. John, are you taking these pictures? I did. Fantastic job. Thank you. The next one is a chai tea mousse. 
Oh. Which it was, was gross. Surp- really? Oh, I was so grossed out by it. It comes with a chocolate spoon. Sounds delicious. I loved it. And it the last was a little chocolate pyramid with a cake and some caramel sauce. It was like a cup of tea boogers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it really was not appetizing. Wow, wow. I'm, anybody to, planning to experience this, thanks you <laughs> for putting that visual in the I thought it was delicious. You liked it. Other people liked it. So I thought the two on the other either end were great. I enjoyed both of those. Now, a- after our meal, um, um, just real quick, they offered coffee and something as you know, if you want to have a coffee with dessert, so that was included as well. There was now Pe- Heather had prepaid for this, so that it was already paid. There was no presentation of a bill. There was no gratuity. It was over nice. at the table. However, she asked us to step outside into the the small area off Sanaa where you can go outside and see the animals. Right near the exit, there's a little paddock where they have two radiating tortoises that they used to have together. They, they believe them to be about 35 years old. And they had to put a division up because every single day they would get multiple calls a day one of the turtles is tipped over. <laughs> they were fighting. They yeah. feel that there were two males. What? What? I, I don't... What Radiating? Is it Go back a, a second. nuclear? No. What we, she explained was each of those little segments of their shells has radiating circles. Oh. We okay. asked the same question. Do they glow in the dark? <laughs> she went over. She picked it up. She presented it to us. We were not allowed to touch the, the tortoise, but it was very cool to see it very close up. Um, Heather asked questions. We talked to her about it. It was really cool. Sounds incredible for 49 bucks. The outside part was about 20 minutes. She also asked, um, explained different things. Um, she explained about the breed of zebra that's there that is different from typical African typical zebra. zebra. This is a, a rarer breed, an endangered breed. And she said the way you can tell that this is the endangered species is that the stripes don't go all the way around their bodies. The stripes go down, and there's a white belly. And apparently oh. the, the girl who's in charge of this zebra was very excited because they got a fourth one. I mean, it's always, she, she has some very interesting, yeah. cool inside stories. Which The I woman who's in charge, these zebras are all registered. Every single one of these zebras that's living is registered. And she keeps track of the zebra registration for the whole world. Wow. So when they had two births, she was very excited to add two zebras to the registry, but they're at Disney World. So they have like social security huh. numbers. You know? Kind of. I can yeah. tell you something really interesting. Something I thought was cool was they identify every animal by a notch in its ear. So animals have the animals, when they come in, they notch their ears and they can count up the notches in however formation they are, and that's how they know what animal is which. Huh. So that each animal. I said, Can you tell the animals apart? And she said, Absolutely. They all have personalities. So that even though the notches are in the ear, that's if someone else has to take care of them. I asked if she was on call, and she said, no, she works a certain set hours. She is the person in charge of these animals. There is someone who works the night shift and a vet on duty. But she said if something was, I asked, what would if something was happening with one of your animals? And her boss, this guy Joseph, who was wonderful, said she wouldn't leave. None of them would leave if something was going down with one of their animals. Yeah. They're all very dedicated. He said, um, I can't get them to leave, and I wouldn't ask them to. Hmm. Well, that's so, nice to hear, though. Mm-hmm. Doesn't surprise me. I though. got the feeling no. that this young lady was 
She was doing this out of love. She was doing this out of... You know how they say you do certain things because you don't, can't picture yourself doing anything else? Mm-hmm. She couldn't picture herself doing anything else. Well, it's also that um, something that we know very well, you know, the, the joy you get from sharing your passion. Right. Um, and, you know, that's, that sounds like what this is. Now, we don't think that we had two people there because they were going, they recognized us because we had nothing to do with making the reservation. Right, and they w- it was in Heather's name. Right, so. it was in somebody else's name completely. I don't think every group will get the second person. And I will say that he added to our experience his knowledge. So that was interesting. But you sit with an animal expert. But it also did, sounds like she could have she could have oh, carried she handled she handled lunch by Did you get a special view, a special table with a nice view? They set us in the – actually, the table we've set at before um, it does have a view of, of the savannah. It's kind of in the corner. We could see the animals go behind us. But it wasn't for any reason. I think it was more because they wanted us sort of off to ourselves. Okay. But it wasn't like, oh, here, an animal's going by. Let me talk about that animal. No one bothered us while we were sitting down. When we were outside, she was talking to the three of us in the open air. Several people came up and asked questions. She was very gracious, answered the questions. One lady asked about have zebras ever been domesticated and used as beasts of burden. And she kind of smiled and laughed and said, no one's ever going to domesticate a zebra. (laughs) Don't even try. So it was... Out in the open, she answered questions for other people, too, but people were very respectful. On the website, it says $5 of the price goes to the Disney's Worldwide Conservation Fund, which yeah, I think is great. That's, oh, that's nice. wonderful. That's yeah. awesome. Great experience. We, we really enjoyed it very much. We kind of looked at each other and went and said, this is more of the stuff we should be doing. We should be experiencing these uh, special things that they put together that we've not done before. It helps keep us sort of connected with Disney. Sort of the backstagey stuff that yeah. we like. I've been having a problem with the fact that I have sort of lost my passion for being in the parks. I find the parks very, very crowded. And if you have any kind of disability, and please, I'm not suggesting that I'm disabled, but I have problems with my vision. And I also use a cane. I've got to tell you that I find the parks very, very um, difficult to maneuver at times. People. And not the parks themselves, it's the people, it's the crowds. Right. So I have sort of lost my passion for racing into the Magic Kingdom to ride Haunted Mansion. I got my passion for Disney back with this this, this Wow. This is what That's Disney high does. This is what they connect you to what you're looking at. And I lost sight of that. Maybe I'm jaded. Maybe I've been to the parks too many times. But... The thrill of riding Haunted Mansion just isn't there anymore. And I think this made me see that what I really have to look at is how does Disney connect you with what you're looking at? Yeah. And What a great perspective. It, 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 I think that happened to the three of us. It was kind of like, holy moly, this is really what Disney's good at. I got to learn about things I've never even heard of. Apparently... Um, one of the animals hurt another animal. It was an oryx. And no one stopped and said, what's an oryx? So as they went along, I finally said, I don't know what an oryx is. Oh, and she went back and she explained to me it's, um, it's the deer-like creature with the scimitar-shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it had hurt another animal. So it had to be moved. Those two animals had to be separated. 
So, but they did that by just putting it in a different savanna, and everybody's happy and healthy again. By the way, the, the other animal's fine. Um, as she didn't tell us that right away, and I could see Heather being like sort of horrified that this animal might still be hurt. Heather's a vet. So she finally came around to the fact that both animals are fine and thriving and things like that. I think it gave me a new appreciation for the animals at Animal Kingdom. I think it gave me a new appreciation for the people that you don't really give much thought to when you see the animals. There's a whole substructure out there that she explained to us that I found fascinating. Not a substructure. A whole um, organization. A sub-organization under the frontline cast member that support everything. It's like, like I've said it before, it's, it's like a college campus back there behind Animal Kingdom and Animal Kingdom Lodge. It's a whole, it's, it's like a whole hospital environment, and it's, it's really spectacular to see. It made me want to take the other tours that are yeah, available yeah. with the animals. I thought, I'm going to do the rest of them. But isn't, I mean, that's still part of what brought you to Disney in the first place right. was the, the details and, and how Disney can bring you into a story and now they've got you caring about the animals that's it's reignited that i think for almost everything that i lost sight of the fact i've gotten to the point where going to disney is a hassle there's not a lot of joy in it it's like you gotta park you gotta take another form of transportation you gotta deal with people who are just crazed and you know something it made me realize what i love to begin with Mm -hmm. right it brought me back to wow this really is the happiest place. I, I think on that's Earth. about the highest form of phrase you could give an, an experience like this. It was um, awesome to reconnect you with that passion. I mean, that's that's terrific. Um, so forty nine dollars for adults, twenty nine dollars for children under ten, mm-hmm. and uh, available at uh, Sanaa at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. It sounds it sounds incredible. We go into great this. Time. Go into this with questions. Go into this knowing what you want to know. They answered everything. But I said to them, were we overly talkative? She said, no, I love this. This was a dialogue. She said, I do have groups that sit there and sort of wait for me to impress them. So she said, you will have a better experience if you go in prepared to ask questions and interact and learn what you want to learn. This is something you should do. Really? You should absolutely do this. Okay. There's a lot of those I'd like to do. I'd like to do the dime with the Imagineer. I'd like to do something like this. I just I never get a chance. I just don't make I don't make it happen. You right? Make, right. I can't say I don't get a chance. To I'm do gonna it. be honest. Until Heather mentioned it, I didn't know this existed. Right. Got to make it happen. Oh, awesome. Well, fantastic report. It sounds uh, it sounds incredible and sounds like uh, something I think we'll find some of our listeners uh, wanting to wanting to experience. You got me interested. So. All right, well, thank you both very much for that. That'll do it for this segment. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll be back with you again next time with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everybody. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. Bye-bye.